This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting Corporation and Supertalk Mississippi Media. Thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joe Lanansami, your co-host, joined by economist Natasha Serdorj, co-founder of International Leaders Summit and the Jerusalem Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable guests include leading voices from business, government, media, energy, technology, healthcare, and the broad policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, and Spotify. Visit America's Roundtable at americasrt.com. We invite donors and advertisers to reach us by visiting our website, americasrt.com. Welcome to America's Roundtable. It's Saturday morning, and this weekend on America's Roundtable Radio, Natasha Sardorch and I are delighted to welcome Harmit Dillon once again to the weekend radio program. Harmit Dillon is a nationally recognized lawyer, a trusted boardroom advisor, and passionate advocate for individual, corporate, and institutional clients across numerous industries and walks of life. Her focus is in commercial litigation, employment law, First Amendment rights, and election law matters. Harmit Dillon is the founder of the Dillon Law Group and the Nonprofit Center for American Liberty and GOP Committee Woman from California. And without any further delay, welcome, Hermit. Welcome, Hermit. Thanks for having me again. On September 19, 2023, the Pew Research came out with polling results on how Americans view governmental institutions. And I quote the Pew Research report very briefly. Just 16% of the public say they trust the federal government always or most of the time, while trust has hovered near historic lows for the better part of the last 20 years. Today, it stands among the lowest levels dating back nearly seven decades, unquote. A more parochial yet profound concern is about the distrust that many have of the Justice Department. And Harmeet, in a speech you delivered on September 16, 2022, in Washington, D.C., at Hillsdale College's Constitution Day celebration, Harmeet, you share concerns about the erosion of free speech in America and how the Justice Department appeared to be increasingly motivated by partisanship. And I briefly quote a part of your speech. The American founders were intensely concerned about God Government intrusion breaking into the homes of political opponents and depriving them of their possessions was common practice under the rule of the British king in colonial America. The use of general warrants and writs of assistance by the crown was the ultimate interference with the colonists' right to political and personal autonomy. Such invasions were pervasive and so universally despised that the founders saw fit to ensure that the constitutional expressly forbids such practices." Harmit, from your vantage point, where are we as a nation when we witness the weaponization of government structures which target decent, ordinary citizens, as well as conservative politicians? Well, when I spoke last year at Hillsdale, I thought we were in a pretty bad situation with the politicization of the Department of Justice that we had seen going back to before President Trump took office. But where we are one year and a little bit later is, I think, an even more dire situation where not only has the executive branch in the form of the Department of Justice been corrupted uh, when it comes to individual liberties, but we're beginning to see the courts corrupted that way as well. When you look at the number of indictments that have been handed down against American citizens, including attorneys for playing their due and legal part in the elections process, that is giving advice to candidates, 
giving advice to an existing president and playing their role as uh, a alternate elector in a disputed election in multiple states. The criminalization of the citizen conduct of you know ordinary people who are not thrusting themselves into politics as candidates is uh, is is truly shocking and disappointing. And if uh, left unchallenged, it's going to significantly degrade the attraction to the ordinary citizen of getting engaged in the political process. So I, I think it is. Uh, I think we are at a five alarm fire in this area. Uh, Hermit, uh, your cases have shaped the contours of anti-slap law in several states. Uh, SLAP stands for strategic lawsuits against public participation. Anti-SLAP law protects the freedom of speech. It protects people who are exercising the First Amendment from the financial threat of a groundless defamation case. Anti-SLAP laws are intended to prevent people from using courts and potential threats of a lawsuit to intimidate people who are exercising their First Amendment. Uh, currently, there are over 30 states that are implementing anti-slap laws, and protections granted vary from state to state. Harmit, could you kindly share with us some of the relevant examples and cases where anti-slap laws were successfully applied, and what are the requirements for anti-slap motion? Well, so anti-slap is a great development in the law. Um, I have practiced it and won anti-slap motions against not only defamation, but other kinds of cases like former Congresswoman Katie Hill's revenge porn lawsuit against American and foreign journalists ended with an anti-slap motion. I would call it a bit of a mixed bag, though, because in that case, for example, the court ordered the former Congresswoman who was caught in a love triangle with a staffer was ousted from Congress. Some of the videos and photographic evidence made their ways to the media. And instead of you know, owning up her behavior and suing the person who leaked the videos. She sued the news media for publishing the truth about her. She's a public figure. She she filed a lawsuit. She was warned that the lawsuit violated the First Amendment because the media has the right to comment on newsworthy items. She lost. She was ordered by the court to pay um, over $100,000 in attorney's fees, over $80,000 just to my law firm, and, uh, and money to others as well. And then she just... Um, declared bankruptcy. So at the end of the day, you know, it, it is a kind of a hollow victory for the defendants who had to pay to defend themselves against a frivolous lawsuit. Um, you know, all over the country, uh, anti-slap helps protect journalists from wrongful lawsuits. At the same time, in my opinion, the pendulum has struck too far on the defamation, swung too far on the defamation front to the point where Courts have consistently made rulings in favor of pretty much anything goes when you're talking about somebody who may have been thrust into fame by accident, that it's virtually impossible to hold either the media or private individuals responsible for making false and defamatory statements, even when such liability should apply. Another problem in the law, I would say, is um, I was giving a, advice to a, a client or potential client this morning about this issue. There's a whole range of behavior that is um, basically labeling people, cancel culture labels with repugnant behavior, like calling them white supremacist, anti-Semitic, racist, um, you name it. And those labels, which are quite harsh and often very specific in their application, are, um, are not punishable by 
liability for defamation. So I think some legal reform is needed. And finally, you look at the the New York Times versus Sullivan case, and you realize that Justice uh, Thomas has really been the only one to make this comment at the Supreme Court level. But the idea of applying a heightened standard um, if somebody happens to be famous uh, is not a concept that's found explicitly in the First Amendment, and it also is not a concept applied in other English-speaking nations. And so it may need to be revisited as sort of ultra-virus lawmaking by the high court. So those are some of my thoughts on First Amendment issues. Right. I mean, through your law practice, you regularly help your clients rectify speech suppression and inaccurate fact-checking by social media giants, including Meta and Twitter. And with inaccurate fact-checking, the third-party entities are able to create a perception of unreliable reporting, reduce the traffic to the Internet size of the affected individuals and media companies, reduce the ad revenue to the point of eliminating mostly conservative media outlets, and there is no monitoring of fact-checkers. Uh, Hermit, how did we allow the third-party bias fact-checking to determine uh, what we can see on the social media networks, and what are the next steps in countering inaccurate fact-checkers and upholding the freedom of speech? Well, first of all, I'm not in favor of licensing fact checkers. You know, that's sort of repugnant to right. the First Amendment in and of itself. However, what they are doing is not fact checking, of course, but smearing, defaming, mm. and really gatekeeping access to information. I think this violates the First Amendment too. So, going back to my earlier comments about defamation and defamation liability. Who's fact-checking the fact-checkers? Right. Exactly. The courts are not really allowing us to do that, and some courts need to, some court needs to step up and say, no, you cannot lie about citizens and journalists and be paid for that without facing liability yourself. So I, I think that we have some work to do there. Right. Right. And on the ongoing interference of the Biden administration into social media platforms, Harmid, documents reveal FBI colluded with compromised Ukrainian intelligence agency to censor Americans. And according to the House Judiciary Committee, and I quote their statement uh, that was issued on July 10, 2023, the House Judiciary Committee and the Select Subcommittee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government released a report titled The FBI's Collaboration with the Compromised Ukrainian Intelligence Agency agency to censor American speech. Based on a subject of subpoenaed documents, the report details how the Federal Bureau of Investigation colluded with the Security Service of Ukraine, known as SBU, an agency widely known to be infiltrated by Russian-aligned forces by routinely sending social media platforms, spreadsheets, and other documents containing thousands of accounts to take down. And, you know, Facebook uh, was and Instagram were involved in this here, Harmit, uh, from your perspective, what are we to make of this revelation, uh, which did not receive much coverage in mainstream media, and how do we avoid a foreign government embroiling allegations of corruption and the FBI from censoring American citizens? Well, we have some great developments in the Fifth Circuit in this regard. I filed one of the first lawsuits on this issue back in uh, 2021 
when our client Rogan O'Hanley was found to have been censored using taxpayer dollars in California, and he was actually banned from Twitter mm-hmm. permanently um, under the old ownership of Twitter for simply asking some polite questions. He's a lawyer about the election of 2021. There are hundreds of other Americans who suffered the same fate with less of a social media footprint. He's back on Twitter now. And what we found in that case, we sued, we went to the ninth circuit even, and uh, you know, now our case is pending before the Supreme court because both the trial court and the ninth circuit shrugged and really said, you know, so what Um, Twitter has speech rights too. And so do, so do the people demanding censorship. And so does the government. This is not, this is too simplistic by far. In the Fifth Circuit, in Missouri versus Biden, you see the opposite outcome. Not for all the government agencies sued, but in this case, the attorneys general of states, including Missouri, sued on behalf of physicians who had been censored uh, on Twitter regarding vaccine issues and some other issues. And in that case, the court found that where not only was there censorship requested, but also threats of police power on the part of the uh, White House and the FBI and some others, that they would take away the Communications Decency Act Section 230 immunity from these social media companies that didn't toe the line. They really were uh, subjected not just to strong hints and suggestions from the government, but actual coercion. Now, I believe the same is true in our case of O'Hanley versus Twitter, because inherently where the government regulates you as a corporation, the government has power over you. Hmm. Uh, the governor on behalf of you know other Democrats and the attorney general who's on his way to, to United States Senate is demanding you do X, Y, or Z, and then taxpayer dollars are used to do that. That's strong entanglement by the government. So um, just this week today, the Fifth Circuit updated its ruling to add the CISA uh, agency, cybersecurity agency, which had been excluded from its original ruling a few weeks ago. So it's expanded the scope of its injunction. Um, This is a real slap in the face to the federal government and its behavior. And if this ruling, very well-reasoned by well-respected judges, um, is cited in other cases. And finally, the Ninth Circuit's incorrect rulings on these issues could ultimately end up on the um, dustbin of history, as they say, I hope. Indeed. Mm. I just wanted to follow up what you mentioned, actually, because in July this year, 2023, uh, you, Senator Marco Rubio, introduced legislation to combat the censorship coordination between big tech companies and governments across the globe including the Biden administration. Uh, The Preserve Online Speech Act comes after White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki acknowledged that the White House is flagging problematic posts for social media companies. So Rubio legislation would require technology companies to disclose any US or foreign government requests or recommendations regarding content moderation. Hermit, what are your thoughts about this legislation and its implementation? I haven't had a chance to, to study it in any great detail, but I would go back to, I think the heart of the problem is actually the Communications Decency Act. Section 230. It was uh, passed in 1996. Yes. It was a well-intentioned statute, and nobody could have foreseen in 1996 when we, those of us, like the three of us here, were old enough to be using dial-up internet, right. would, <laughs> right. would, would, would even think Imagine, about yeah. 
there being an in, an internet like I had a computer back then that was you know black screen with yellow letters I had a cathode ray computer back then we didn't have an internet like this it wasn't the main form of news um it, this was like the telephone company it was a totally different ball of wax but today courts have incorrectly ruled repeatedly that communications decency act section 230 is basically a blank check for social media companies hmm. and even email carriers and others to do whatever they want and that oh, is yeah. clearly not the intention of the statute it is also not necessary for them to thrive and so i would favor not eliminating it but editing it to make clear that there is and there should be liability protection for social media companies and carriers who are sort of clearing the roadways of crashed cars and and the like they're they're taking down the defamation the child pornography the intellectual property violations but as for the rest congress should regulate the extent to which they're able to do that today the new and improved although problematic in some ways twitter/x is uh a major source of co- news consumption for Americans it has evolved that way um american corporations get a license from the united states they get liability protection every corporation does so it's appropriate to regulate that mm-hmm. the question is who are the regulators i would really rather not have ft you know the, the federal trade commission have a ton of uh power i would rather have consumer protection rights mm-hmm. in a statute and empower individual trial lawyers and individuals to be able to go to court and have rulings under a clear set of rules so the two step process for me would be amendment of communications decency act section 230 to get rid of some of the worst excesses and then a citizens bill of rights in social media just like we have rights with respect to redlining in mortgages with respect to the purchase of insurance i think there are certain areas where although i'm not a favor of regulation our speech rights are too important to simply allow them to be strangled by bad rulings by judges and out of control oligarchs who run these big tech companies mm, right and uh, finally uh, hermit uh, in your private law practice uh, you are the lawyer who filed most lawsuits in the united states over transgendering of american girls uh, could you kindly share with us some of the relevant cases uh sure just uh, very briefly we have three cases against um uh, medical providers two in california kaiser uh, healthcare both of Our clients were actually mutilated at the same facility in Oakland by the same physicians and the same psychiatrists who signed off on it. Our other client um is a young adult in Nebraska, uh Luca, um who had her breast removed at a young age at at the University of Nebraska by by careless physicians who didn't even give her more than one medical appointment to diagnose her before they cut off her breast. This is This is this is mutilation. Civilized people rail against mutilation in um other countries, North Africa particularly. Mm-hmm. Uh and it's outrageous to mutilate children and yet we're doing it in America and we're celebrating it and we're all asked to celebrate it. We're all asked to um tell children they can choose their pronouns, they can choose their gender. Physicians are being told they can choose their that 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 gender is a social construct. 
They're denying science in America's medical schools. And the rest of the world, we have stopped doing this behavior to children, not for ideological reasons. I know the governments of France and the UK and Sweden and others haven't woken up. It just doesn't work. They have woken up to the expense and the failure of these barbaric and inhumane and immoral practices. Um, the other thing that we are doing in our nonprofit is also suing school teachers and schools and school boards for keeping from parents the rightful information about really a form of medical treatment, which is calling children by the pronouns they desire, giving them breast binders if they're girls to conceal and suppress their breasts, which can permanently distort their rib cage and, and harm their health, and, and concealing gender transition from parents. This flies in the face of natural law, constitutional law, hmm. Supreme Court precedent, and common hmm. sense. And so we're fighting very hard to right-size those issues as well. Harmeet uh, Dillon is the founder of the Dillon Law Group and the nonprofit Center for American Liberty and GOP Committee Women from California. Harmeet, we thank you so much for your clear insights and that moral clarity you provide. And we thank you for your continued leadership in uh, advancing the First Amendment and our freedom of speech and other important rights as well. Thank you so much for taking time and joining us on America's Roundtable. Thank you so much, Harmeet. My pleasure. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank Goodbye. You. Goodbye. This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting Corporation and Supertalk Mississippi Media. Thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Jolan Sami, your co-host, joined by economist Natasha Sardorch, co-founder of International Leaders Summit and the Jerusalem Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable guests include leading voices from business, government, media, energy, technology, technology, healthcare, and the broad policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, and Spotify. Visit America's Roundtable at americasrt.com. americasrt.com. Follow us on Facebook, America's Roundtable, and Twitter at americasrt. We invite donors and advertisers to reach us by visiting our website, americasrt.com. 